Thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you for being with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will tell so I went today, and I just haven't, you know, my friends play golf. I don't have time to play golf anymore. I really don't. And I wish I did. I was getting fairly decent at it. And except for maybe once going to a driving range, I, I don't think, I haven't like played in like three years. And it's been a long time. And it was fun. I used to play with my buddies. I never was that great at it, but it was always fun. And anyway, so Geraldo, years ago, he, he did an expose. He's been in the business 50 years, and it had such a powerful impact on how mentally disabled people in this country are being treated. It was the most horrific sight you'd ever see. You should Google it. It's called about Willowbrook. And his reporting ultimately forever for all the right reasons, changed how we we treat people that are mentally disabled that are that need hospitalization. I mean, it's transformative work. I mean, investigative reporting, and it is so shocking. The video, and you can get it on YouTube. It's it's worth watching. Anyway, so he has an annual golf tournament, and he invited me to hit the first ball out today. I'm like, oh no, man, I haven't picked up a stick in three years. And, okay, I get on the range, and everyone's watching, and I'm like, just to let everybody know, I have not hit a golf ball in almost three years, except for one time at a range. Okay. Take a swing. I, I nailed it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's it. No more shots. I figured I'd quit when I was ahead, but it's a great organization. It was good to see him, and uh, it was, uh, you know, just a, just a great guy. It was at Old Westbury Country Club. Great place. They got 27 holds, complete sellout. It was packed to the brim, and um, it was just great. Um, all right, we're gonna we got a lot going on. The I can't believe these unscrupulous people in the media. I, I loved Prime Minister Netanyahu's beatdown of John Dickerson over at CBS. What would you do if your country's being hit with you know fifteen hundred, two thousand rockets? You know damn well what you'd do, because that's the answer. I mean, the coverage is despicable, you know, and this this phony narrative that, oh, the AP is shocked that their building was hit. They were given full warning. Ten minutes warning to get the hell out. They have in Israel, they, they put a value on human life. And because that very building headquarters, the leaders of Hamas, I mean, that would be the nicest thing you can do because you do care and value human life. Something that those that are parts of Hamas dedicated to the destruction in their own charter of the state of Israel would never do. They fired their rockets from hospitals. They fired their rockets from schools. They fire their rockets from densely populated areas. And they do it because they want to use innocent people as human shields. But still, you know, Prime Minister Netanyahu has a country to defend and he will defend it. And he's and, and rightly so. I've been I, look, we were at the border towns. Starot, I think is how you say it. Um, probably butchered it. But anyway, it's right on the border with Gaza. I stopped by the local police station. Ten thousand rockets hit this town in 10 years. And I remember asking people, well, why do you stay? 
This is our home. That's why we stay. And they're just they're not going to be chased out by terrorists. And I admire them for that. Kids can't play outside in an outdoor playground because they don't have enough time if a rock, because of the close proximity to Gaza, if Hamas fires a rocket into their town, there's not enough time for a kid to get into a bunker. So the kids' playgrounds are literally inside a bunker-fortified indoor playgrounds. That, that's their life there. You know, but for the Iron Dome, with a good 90-plus percent success rate, that was a, a collaboration with the U.S. and Israel, that taken 90% of the rockets out. My fear is, you know, with the multitude and the onslaught that is coming, you know, at some point, other weaponry it, it, it might be able to penetrate the Iron Dome. And the Israeli rock, we know that Hamas is getting supplied rockets from Iran. Why? Because it has their fingerprints all over it. And the big development last week, Russia and China providing the Iranians with arms to, to, to give to Yemen in their proxy war for the rest of the Middle East. And obviously, Joe Biden does not strike fear in the hearts of Putin or President Xi or the mullahs in Iran or Kim Jong-un, which is now getting to be a problem. It's pretty unbelievable. And Bernie Sanders' answer? Bolshevik Bernie. I got attacked for saying Bolshevik Bernie. The guy literally honeymooned in the former Soviet Union. The murderous regime there. He supported the murdering regime of, of Castro. And of Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua and in Venezuela, Hugo Chavez. So that's who he is. And now he's urging Biden to cut off foreign aid to Israel. That's how ass backwards Bernie has pretty much everything in his life. And but we did have the Bernie Biden manifesto. The squad continues with, with their virulent anti-Semitic remarks with no criticism, no comments from Joe uh, or Joey. If, depends if it's night-night time, early, in a sippy cup, warm milk, um, or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. It's disgraceful. It's unbelievable. But this is how, how twisted they have things. I mean, it's unbelievable. These are very, very difficult, strange times that we're all living in. I will tell you, tell you that part of it. Um, anyway, so let me let me get to this a few other issues that we need to touch on today because this is very important. And there is a crack emerging. And I'm going to tell you where I think it's coming from. The mob, the media, they are they are they won't ever admit it. They're missing Donald Trump because. Donald Trump was interesting to follow. Donald Trump was a force, a hurricane force, a like a tornado. And, and he's out there engaged on everything. If you want to say maybe what he might have been able to do is pick and choose his fights a little more. But he, he fought. That's, that's his way of doing things. And that's why he was able to get so much done in four years. Yeah, including Operation Warp Speed, including building... Hospitals for New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, California that were never used. How stupid were they? You know, it, it, he got the PP, got all the ventilators made, got got the warp speed. And now have three vaccines. 
the therapeutic advancements, Regeneron and others. I mean, just amazing stuff. We're finding out, New York Times, one of the biggest revelations for me is Joe doesn't start his workday until 9.30. I'm told he stops taking calls around 7, 7.30. That's not even banker's hours for crying out. I don't know anybody that doesn't work 14 hours a day in my life. If you want to work for me in radio and TV, don't tell me you're going to take an hour's lunch break. Huh? You're not going to fit in here. Which is why I buy my radio team lunch every day. And I buy my, my television team dinner every night. Because I don't want them leaving their desk. I have ulterior motives. And it's to be nice too. I know. I don't want anybody to know that part. But the New York Times, you know, offering this behind the scenes look at the Biden White House. And the details seem to be drawing the most attention is the observation that Biden is quick-tempered. And uh, apparently... And how do I say this? I have talked to many people in the medical profession asking about Joe that know about Joe's surgeries in the 80s, frontal lobe surgeries, both sides, and the way they used to do those surgeries. I said, this guy seems checked out to me. And I've got the tape to prove it. And don't think that Putin and the mullahs in Iran and President Xi and Kim Jong-un that I'm making the same conclusion, coming to the same conclusion I am, because they are. And their actions bear that out. So the first thing you learn is, okay, he's quick-tempered, which means he's probably irritable when he's tired. That's not good. 9.30, and look, we've been monitoring his schedule. He usually has less than one scheduled event a day. Gets back from Delaware today at 9.15. He's starting 15 minutes early today. He has one event at like 3, 3.15. I forget the exact time. And then it's th- that's it. A lit on the day. Joe's gone. And I'm told no calls after like 7 or 7.30. It's unbelievable. I don't know anybody that, ha- that works like this. Who, who, and it's the president. What are we going to do now that things are really beginning to accelerate and we need somebody with strength and stamina and mental alertness and fitness for the job? You know, what are we going to do here? I don't know anybody that, that keeps those kind of hours, settles into his office, you know, and, you know, he's been known for quick decision-making. Well, they say in this New York Times piece that quick decision-making is not Biden's style. His reputation as a plain-speaking politician hides a more complicated truth before making up his mind. The president demands hours of detail-laden debate with scores of policy experts taking everyone around him. You know, um, on what some in the West Wing referred to as is sort of like Socrates, Socratic journey before arriving at a conclusion. No, he doesn't. I don't think any of this happens. This is a bunch of crap that was spoon fed the New York Times, although they did have a guy that admitted that, you know, and Glenn Greenwald, I saw a tweet, sweet baby James showed me rightly pointing out, yeah, they admitted that this. This unholy alliance with private spies like, you know, companies like Fusion GPS and the media is corrupt because they were dead wrong. New York Times even admitted it. They didn't correct the record on their own lying reporting. Why would they? Biggest lie, three years, Hillary's dirty dossier, Russian disinformation, bought and paid for, never verifiable, 
four FISA warrants, premeditated fraud on the court, spying on a presidential candidate and a presidency. Barely nobody's been held accountable. Sad. You know, Mr. Biden takes days or weeks to make up his mind. What emerges is a portrait of a president with a short fuse who's obsessed, obsessed with getting the details right. Well, he seems to be having a hard time, especially with numbers and names. He just can't seem to pronounce any of them or remember any number. I, I carry this uh, um, you know, uh, card. Okay, card. Say thank you. How do you how do you start your day at nine thirty? Oh, he exercises. Okay, often flanked by his biting German shepherds. New York Post dubs Biden the master of disaster. They're right. This is a disaster. Biden refuses to rule out making his tax hikes retroactive. Anyone paying attention to this? Biden took COVID cash meant for Americans and spent it for illegal immigrants. Imagine if Donald Trump did this. We have a lot of ground to cover today. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Look, it's been a disaster. These, everything that we've been talking about, everything from the violence, the treatment of police officers, where do you hear some of the stories I have for you today? I mean, it's, it's bad. Everything the squad represents, everything that Joe is proposing, you know, everything from the, the, the gas shortage to the hacking that took place to the, the alliance, which is, should frighten everybody between Russia, China, Iran, fighting a proxy war, providing arms in the Middle East, not good. What's happening to our, our friends and our allies in, in Israel, that's not good either. Inflation, that's not great. What's happening at our border, none of that is good. The attempted power grab, HR1, SR1, court packing, executive uh, filibuster eliminated, uh, D.C., Puerto Rico, statehood, none of this is. Biden entered his office. He, it would have been, if he would have done nothing on the economy, we'd be infinitely better off. It's a, you know, as the New York Post said, he's a master of disaster with self-inflicted crises across the board, threatening to set America back to the 1970s. And, and that's with that era's infamous stagflation and foreign policy, you know, ideas that are going to take us down the wrong road and end up badly. Biden takes office in January, the nation on the mend, three vaccines, a million doses going into people's arms for weeks before Trump leaves office. And uh, Biden inherits a, a strong pre-pandemic economy already bouncing back as the pandemic lo- and lockdowns began to end. President Trump also, you know, helps on the southern border. Last April, 17,000 illegal immigrants. This year, nearly 200,000. Same month from up, you know, the, the worst month in 20 plus years. Just like a, and it, it was higher than last month, which was a record of 20 plus years. Two months into his presidency, this is a disaster. And he wasted every single opportunity Donald Trump left for him. Consumer confidence, even that fell on Friday. University of Michigan says its index of consumer sentiment declined to 82.8% from 88.3%. That's a huge drop. Inflation, 4.2%, a 12-year record. We'll continue. 
All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So everything that they're doing is the dumbest thing. This is Jimmy Carter 2.0. Consumer confidence falling uh, unexpectedly this month. Rising prices, hiring slowdown. I mean, now, now governors are saying, we don't want your aid and we don't want your extended unemployment benefits. We got too many jobs to fill. And employers can't find enough people to fill them for now because based on the added benefits, it's, it's disincentivizing people to work. I mean, this, this is, this is not a small deal when consumer confidence drops that dramatically. Economists predicted it was going to go up to 90.4, drop to 82.8. And that's, that's nothing compared to everything else. They thought they'd get a million new jobs in April. And instead, they only got 266,000. The unemployment rate went up with more jobs available. Then you got inflation, 4.2% year over year. I mean, you know, far worse than any economists have predicted. The largest jump since 2008, you know, during the financial crisis, when it was at its height. Core inflation, yeah, 4.2%. And it's up dramatically from April as well. The biggest rise monthly from April to from March to April in four decades. You know, you, you can thank Biden's focus on expanding government and his so-called emergency relief bill, which was a blue state bailout bill. You know what Gavin Newsom is doing with the money? He's now giving checks to two thirds of residents in California just in time for the recall vote. Wow. You can't make this stuff up. The relief bill extending the $300 weekly federal unemployment supplement, meaning half the people getting checks make more staying home than going back to work. Gas prices is another tax for everybody. By the way, inflation means you pay more for everything. 4.2%. The high price of gas, that impacts everybody. It doesn't impact the evil rich people. It impacts every person. It does impact them, but it impacts everybody. Cost of filling up your tank, cost of heating and cooling. Gas prices were already on a sharp rise, even though John Kerry and Jennifer Granholm both saying, yeah, pipelines are the, are the best way to, to move fuel around. Well, then why did he stop the Keystone XL pipeline? Why is he fighting now to get rid of the Dakota pipeline? I mean, then you look at the border disaster. You can't get any more obvious what's happening there. He ends the Remain in Mexico program that was working. Then catch and release is brought back. Border wall construction stops. And now border apprehensions are at a 20-plus year high. And then you got Hamas and their allies on attack against Israel, leaving it no choice but to defend itself. (laughs) What, just 40 days after Joe reinstated money to the Palestinians? And we're now seeing Israel is being hit with Iranian rockets. We'll get an update from Ambassador Dory Gold at the, the top of the hour. It's stunning. And I don't even think Joe Biden has a clue. Getting up at 930, one item on his schedule a day. His lid today is 315. Nice, nice work if you can get it. Now Biden is refusing to rule out making the tax hikes that he's talking about retroactive. Not going to get any Republicans to support this. Why should why should Republicans support this bad? It's bad economics. They refuse to rule out. This is a Obama era trick. 
of levying taxes retroactively, which, by the way, should be challenged in a court and saying, no, the law was this. I made financial decisions based on the current law. Well, now we'll go back to January. January 1st. Treasury Department Deputy Assistant for Tax Policy said retroactive taxes could make sense if they were introduced early enough in the year. Well, it's late in the year. It's mid-May, May 17th. Number one question I get from investors, you know, managing at, at Capital Alpha. Every meeting, someone asks me about retroactive taxes. And what? Now corporate tax? We're going to raise corporate taxes? Who's going to pay for the corporate taxes? Corporations don't pay taxes. Nobody wants to talk about that. Then we find out from Politico that Biden's administration diverted more than $2 billion, more than $2 billion. That was meant for other health initiatives towards covering the cost of caring for the unaccompanied immigrant children. You know, the ones that he stuck in in cages, overcrowded cages uh, in the middle of a pandemic where a lot of people were COVID positive. But then he redirected funds. Remember, Trump tried to redirect funds to the border, which he was eventually successful at. But the redirected monies that Congress originally allocated to rebuild the nation's strategic national stockpile and emergency medical reserve strained by covid Another $850 million is being taken from the pot intended to help expand coronavirus testing, according to people familiar with the matter. Well, if, if I, I thought a president didn't get to spend a dime without the approval of Congress. Apparently, I must be wrong. The rules don't apply to Joe. He'll just rule by executive fiat in the stroke of a pen. Biden administration is saying illegal immigrants will get taxpayer-funded housing vouchers. Housing and Urban Development Secretary Marsha Fudge said that Biden, they won't prevent illegal immigrants from access to public housing. Well, if they don't like the immigration laws, why don't they just change them? What gives them the right that none of us will ever have to pick and choose the laws that we want to obey? I don't like this law. I'm not going to obey. What, what happens to me? You kidding? It's not a hard question to answer. What happens to most of you? Same thing. If you're a Democrat, you can pretty much get away with everything. So all these illegal immigrants, now, you know, we're headed now towards a million, probably be two million by year's end, maybe more, housing, food, health care, education. You're going to be paying for all that. At a time, we can't afford to pay for all of that. One of the more interesting articles was from the FBI has now revised their position on the June 17th insurrection against the Republican Congress. A hundred shots were fired at several dozen Republican congressmen that day. I don't know. That's what they're... I didn't read the report. I just got a headline handed to me. But if you go... But the New York Times even acknowledging this unholy... Glenn Greenwald had a tweet this weekend. That everything we reported on, on Hillary's dossier, Fusion GPS a dirty Russian disinformation dossier that we now know was confirmed to be dishonest by Christopher Steele and the subsource, but they still kept getting, still still were committing premeditated fraud on a court long after they knew everything. These are very dangerous times. Very dangerous. 
Biden, you know, prepares to meet with lawmakers this week on their spending counteroffer. Inflation fears grow for the White House. Yeah, because this is Jimmy Carter 2.0. Tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich. Pretty soon the rich run out of money. Socialism is great, Margaret Thatcher said, until you run out of other people's money. I haven't heard a word what they're going to do about the pipeline hack. Has he had a conversation? Instead of defending Putin, has he had the conversation that he needs to have? Jimmy Carter 2.0. It's exactly what happened in the Carter years. Bad, the worst part is, is we're all going to suffer. And everything was teed up for a great economy if you just stay out of the way. Biden told his staff, according to Business Insider, not to serve leafy greens because he didn't want to be photographed with leaves in his teeth, according to that report. Gee, Red State had a piece out today. Again, quoting Glenn Greenwald on Twitter, can't believe the candidate who had to drop out of the presidential race before she got a single vote, despite huge media adoration and being from the largest state in the union, is not popular enough even in the administration's quasi-honeymoon stage. Ouch. Economist YouGov poll, 48 to 41, unfavorable view of Kamala. Well, I told everybody, pay very close attention to that. Now, some of the gas shortage has eased, but prices at the pump, they keep rising. That was in the New York Post today. I'd like to see somebody say enough is enough. Michigan Governor Whitmer, she's clueless. She now has unveiled the plan to shut down a 65-year-old pipeline through the Great Lakes, where Lake Michigan and Lake Huron connect, something she believes could have a devastating environmental impact. Okay. You know what's going to have an impact that's going to be dramatic is we can't afford to live. You cannot spend and you cannot take on inflation. You cannot. These policies will never work. Chapter four, live free or die. America and the world on the brink. Socialism, it's history of failure. Because that's what it is. A history of failure. Now we've got the police issue. 46 people shot in Chicago this weekend. Anybody paying any attention to that? Fascinating poll in the New York Post today finds uh, Democratic New Yorkers increase Democrats. They want to fund the police again in New York, which has been defunded. 60% of likely Democratic mayoral primary voters are in favor of increasing the NYPD budget. 21% of likely Democratic mayoral primary voters cite crime as their number one issue. Do you think? Biden and the police weak statement, a deep sense of distrust toward cops from black Americans, he's saying. You know, many of these major cities we're talking about defunding and even dismantling are majority minority police departments. What about the hard job that they do? By the way, criminals are emboldened now. You just know they got to pull out their cell phone. They're taunting the police, attacking the police. Last year, one of the deadliest on record for law enforcement, 394 brave officers died in the line of duty. We're up to, I think, anywhere between 115, 120 so far this year. Pretty unwatchable. Pretty sad. Pretty something I never expected to see. By the way, Neera Tandon, who we told you so much about. Yes, she's been named a senior Biden advisor. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Remember, she couldn't cut it because of all the, you know, Trump's just called a, an African-American woman a dog and about 80 percent of the GOP don't think he's racist, adding that the whole party needs to be defeated. Some of the other tweets that she had, you know, calling people alleged child molesters. It's got a history of radicalism. We've gone over that in, in great detail. New York City has announced that it will ban police from events until 2025. New York City Pride has organized new policies to reduce the amount of law enforcement presence at events. Well, this is a prescription for an unmitigated disaster. Organization says they're going to ban police and corrections officers from working at any Pride events. Sounds like discrimination to me. The sense of safety in law enforcement is meant to provide can be at times threatening and dangerous to those in our community. Like, wow. Suspect in a bloody slashing spree caught with victim's backpack and a bloody knife. Now you have this, the, the old New York City is coming back. Four women who accused Governor Cuomo of sexual harassment are subpoenaed to testify under oath. I mean, this is now nationwide. And none of it. Senator Cruz commemorated National Police Week. Secures a unanimous passage of an amendment honoring the integrity of police officers. NYPD react to the ban at, at the Pride Parade. It's shameful. Another said it was disheartening. Who wants to do this job? You're not going to get support. You take away liability protection and you don't indemnify these cops. It's over. Banning police from highly populated events like parades. That's not going to end well. That's my prediction. 5,300 New York City police officers resigned or retired last year. A 75% increase from the previous year. Do you blame them? I don't. Police in cities across the U.S. brace for a violent summer. That was in the Wall Street Journal. The lifting of COVID-19 restrictions, the rise in gun purchases, have officials on edge. They should be. Disabled veterans says four, you know, this is another thing. This is people with cell phones and watching. You watch how they taunt these cops. These guys are human and they bleed. And they're not perfect. There is no such thing as a routine stop. But cops aren't going to make the stops anymore. And I go back to my one question. What are you going to do and who are you going to call? I, I I have the Hannity plant. What what and and it's I mean the first thing I want to do is avoid any confrontation. I'll be nice to anybody, even if they're being a jackass to me. I have incredible self control and confidence. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, um, it, it, I, I watch some of the Sunday programs. I am so angry at the way that the mob, the media in this country, is it covers the attacks on Israel by a terrorist organization whose own charter calls for the destruction of the state of Israel. Now, imagine for a second, anywhere between, oh, 1,500, 2,000 rockets are fired into any part of the United States. What do you think our response should be and will be? 
We will defend our country. This is basic, one-on-one, simple common sense. The way you you, you look at, listen to the media, the mob, it is it is beyond pathetic. Um, Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu said, we did tell everybody in the building where Hamas headquarters was to get out of the building. They were given a heads up. But, you know, from fake news, CNN, where they have a they have a writer that worked for them, a contributing writer, you know, that talked about, oh, the world today needs a Hitler and all sorts of anti-Semitism. And the prime minister actually went on CBS News and just decimated John Dickerson, whoever the hell he is. I don't even watch these shows because they're just not worth our time. Um, and, and then you have, of course, you don't have Schumer, Pelosi or Biden condemning the anti-Semitic statements of squad members like Congresswoman Omar, the comments of AOC, the comments of Congresswoman Tlaib, which, by the way, this is not the first time we've had this run in. I mean, it's just disgraceful what the Democratic Party has become. Um, But here's the prime minister on with CBS. Listen to this. There has to be a measure of of reasonableness in projecting this kind of criticism against the Israeli army that is second to none in seeking to minimize civilian casualties while protecting our own civilians. Uh, You know, if Hamas would simply move these rockets out of the civilian areas, if they move their command posts out of these uh, homes and offices, uh, then there there wouldn't be any problem. Let me ask you, Mr. Prime Minister. But the fact is... They're sending thousands of rockets on our cities with a specific purpose of murdering our civilians from these places. Let me ask you, Mr. What would you do? Let me ask you. If it happened to Washington and to New York, you know know damn well what you do. Let me ask you you a a broader question. You know damn well what you do. You would defend your country. And we've chronicled over the years as these, these conflicts have flared up. It's not been as bad as this now for many, many years. Um, you know, for example, on, on some of our many trips to Israel, we actually we, we went to the border of Gaza. You know, we showed you the rockets that were fired. We interviewed the police that had recovered the rockets fired into border towns. One city in particular, 10,000 rockets in 10 years. We brought you in that very same town to an underground bunker playground for kids because kids can't play outdoors because they won't have enough time because of the close proximity of Gaza and rockets coming in to get out of the playground to safety. So they have to play indoors in a bunker underground playground. That's what that's what everyday life is for the people of Israel and and surrounded by enemies as they have been and then condemned for defending themselves. It makes no sense if it weren't for the joint partnership with the United States and Israel on the Iron Dome. Um, 90 percent of the rockets they're able to prevent from actually reaching Israel. But but what's going to happen when we when they don't have such a high percentage of of missiles taken out of the air the way they do? Uh, We've taken we've been out on the we've been out with the IDF reporting. I think we were the only people in the U.S. to go 60 feet underground into a tunnel. A tunnel built with Israeli and American money and cement and electricity that, you know, so sophisticated. Why? Instead of building hospitals and schools as the as these monies that was procured were meant to be spent, they build tunnels so they can get into Israel and terrorize the Israeli people. And I just I find the the coverage in this country unbelievably abusively biased and corrupt and frankly, bordering on anti-Semitism. Then I have the Jerusalem Post because I said Bolshevik Bernie, they attacked me. Uh, I've been on radio 33 years. I've been on television 25 years. I think we, we took a helicopter ride from the Mediterranean 
up the coast of the old city showing, you know, that this country is the size of New Jersey and its security challenges are beyond anything that most Americans, I think, can even comprehend. And then I, I spelled all this out, nice little threatening note from a lawyer to the Jerusalem Post that they need to retract this or at least let me respond to it. And they did a little late, but they did. And then I was very blown away to be very, I, I was shocked at my friend Ambassador Dory Gold former U.N. ambassador, president of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. He wrote a letter, unbeknownst to me, in my defense, and I was quite honored by it because I have such deep respect and a long-standing friendship with him. And he joins us now, Ambassador. Uh, first, I'm sorry that your country once again is under a, a constant barrage of rockets and threats. It, it breaks my heart. Well, first of all, Sean, when I read the lies that were said about you, my blood was boiling, so I had to write that letter. You are a great patriot, not just of the United States of America. You're a great patriot of the Western Alliance. And, you know, having you there, telling the truth is of incredible value. And I have no patience for people who attack you. And uh, that's why I wrote, and that's why I think all of us should write to defend you. You shouldn't have to defend yourself. We're out there for you. But let me tell you, well, you know, you know, it was uh, Bolshevik Bernie. He he honeymooned in the former Soviet Union. How many millions were slaughtered under that regime? He praised regimes of Castro and and Nicaragua's Daniel Ortega and Chavez's Venezuela. That would make him. There are always going to be these kind of people. But you know, can I tell you something? This is a source of hope. When I'm getting trashed and Israel is getting trashed by people of that sort. You know who's uh, giving us a defense? Our former enemies, the Arabs, the Arabs in the Gulf. You know, I call up some of these contacts I have. I've developed now relationships where I run a think tank in Jerusalem, and I have think tanks in Abu Dhabi and in Bahrain. And I call these guys to feel out maybe they don't want to be in touch with us now because of all the uh, war with Hamas. No, are these kidding? They want to be in touch with us. And they understand because they face the same uh, threat. Who is funding Hamas? Who is supplying them with weapons? Iran, the same country. That's well, wait a minute. Joe very- Biden gave gave the Palestinians 245 or $35 million 40 days before the attacks began. Money that Donald Trump was well, not giving know. or providing. You know, I don't know what what that money went to. Probably you can't monitor it in any case. But the, 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 the thing is, we are facing, we the people of the Middle East are facing the same threat. This regime wants to take over our region. And if it's necessary, we'll pull together Arabs and Jews and we will fight them. And we will prevent that from happening. In the meantime, Israel is having extraordinary, is taking extraordinary military measures to minimize the threat to innocent civilians, but destroying every bit of Hamas's military infrastructure that it can get its hands on. And that's the way to fight these new modern wars. And that's what we're doing. Uh, let me let me tell you, five years ago, if you would have told me that Ambassador Dory Gold, Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, you mentioned Bahrain and Abu Dhabi, but that an alliance has emerged also, an intelligence sharing between the United States and Israel and Egypt and Jordan and and Saudi Arabia, uh, something nobody could have predicted all in response to the threat of a nuclear-armed Iran and Iranian hegemony in the region. And the most underreported story, Ambassador, is that 
we now have caught the Iranians getting weapons from Russia and China and delivering them to Yemen for the proxy war that they are waging for the rest of the Middle East. That is correct. I uh, paid attention that this month a, a, um, a vessel was stopped by the U.S. Fifth Fleet in the Indian Ocean carrying uh, thousands of assault weapons, machine guns, sniper rifles, all bound for Yemen for the Houthi uh, militias. But you know, the, you know what they're also not reporting? Those Houthi militias are firing Iranian missiles, not at some military target in Saudi Arabia. They're firing them at the capital city, Riyadh. Now, I'm saying that in outrage because I feel they're facing the same problems we are. Well, we have these missiles, Iranian missiles, coming into Tel Aviv, aimed at Jerusalem, and, you know, we're taking them out. Uh, one of the things the um, uh, Hamas built up over the last number of years was an elaborate underground system in the Gaza Strip, including a little uh, subway for moving their people around underground. Well, Israel has destroyed that subway. It's taken that system out so that they understand that they can't operate with impunity. We must do what we have to do to fight Hamas, to take out its military capacity, and to minimize the threat to innocent civilians. And that's what we do. One more thing I wanted to share with you. Yes, you know sir. that you, I'm sure you saw that building which had the AP in it and Al Jazeera in the mm -hmm. Gaza Strip that the Israeli Air Force hit and took down. Well, we have a system, and I think we're one of the few armies in the world that do this. We give a warning before we strike, and we have a warning system called a knock on the roof. It involves a light munition that hits the roof of a building like that, and it lets them know they've got five, ten minutes to get out of the building because we're going to take the building down. Who does that? Israel does that to protect innocent lives. And um, Well, maybe, maybe too, we maybe Hamas terrorists should stop firing their missiles into Israel from hospitals and schools and highly densely populated areas. Absolutely, and from mosques. We have photographs of uh, their, um, you know, anti-aircraft systems put into mosques. So it's just ludicrous. You know, Winston Churchill said people should never confuse the arsonist with the fireman. You know, blame the guy who's coming to put out the fire for, for being an arsonist. Come on. That's what they're doing. That's what a lot of this media is doing to Israel. And it is unfair, but we will do what we have to do to protect ourselves. And we will work with our Arab allies. Yes, Arab allies to fend off Iran and the terrorist groups that support its interests in the Middle East. Well, I will tell you, you know, we never had a better position in terms of the strength of the the American-Israeli alliance and under Donald Trump moving the obviously the embassy to from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem it's it's right right home um, but also on you know intelligence sharing also on border issues involving Gaza and elsewhere uh, Israel I don't think you had a, the Golan Heights as Golan Israeli Heights, territory yeah, huge. exactly huge and and now frankly I feel like we're returning 
to uh, the very difficult days of Biden-Obama and the impact of, of Biden wanting to now re-engage the Iranians that chant death to Israel, death to America, burning Israeli flags, burning American flags, uh, is beyond concerning to me because that also resulted in, in billions of dollars in cash and other currency handed over to mullahs in Iran in exchange for nothing. You know, Tony Blair, the former British prime minister, has a research center in London that does work on the Middle East. And they just put out a report in 2021, this year, about Iranian militias that are operating in our region. And in it, they have this incredible sentence that people expected that after the 2015 JCPOA, the Iran deal, that Iran would mellow out, that Iran would become more moderate. And they admit that the exact opposite occurred. Iran got much worse. And we found Iranian activity in places where we never saw it before, like Morocco. So why am I saying this? Because uh, Iran is, you know, you've had a lesson. And the lesson is that the last time a deal was made with Iran, many more Iranian militias sprouted up like mushrooms. And, um, you know, you've got to make sure that if anybody's negotiating with Iran, that uh, the same thing doesn't happen in the Middle East doesn't face a new wave of threats. The number one state sponsor of terror, and I can't believe that they handed over billions and didn't even get any place, any time inspections out of it. I just need to tell you on a personal level that your letter to the Jerusalem Post meant the world to me. I was very humbled by it. I, I did not know it was coming. And I'm very, very appreciative of your friendship and uh, the time that we have over the years spent together. Our prayers are with our allies and friends in Israel right now, and, and we've got to unite against terrorism in whatever manifestation, whatever form, because it's pure evil, and we need to win that war. And so I stand in solidarity with your right to defend yourself, sir. Well, thank you, Sean. You are appreciated, and wars are won because of moral clarity, because of people pulling together against evil forces. And, uh, you know, you're on our side, and we're on your side. Listen, this is good versus evil, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not saying, I don't say these words lightly, because, you know, we lost over 100 million human souls in the last century. You know, Mao, China, Stalin, Russia, Hitler, Germany. Uh, Mussolini, fascism, Tojo, uh, Japan, uh, the killing fields, Cambodia. This is not a game. A nuclear-armed Iran coupled with radical ideology such as they have, which is convert or die, equals a potential of a modern-day Holocaust, and good people cannot allow that to happen. We owe it to future generations to prevent that now. Ambassador, you're a dear friend. God bless you. Thank you, and God bless you, too, and God bless the United States. And, and Israel, right now especially. Quick break, right back. At 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Um, you know, I, I tell you, I don't, th- th- there's not an issue here of, or there's no ambiguity on this. You have a terrorist organization whose charter calls for the destruction of Israel, and they're firing rockets you know, trying to kill as many innocent Israelis as possible. And you would think Israel's at fault for this. That's not true. And the history of Israel from the the 47, 48 partition plan through the 67 war, through the 73 war to modern day issues involving 
rockets uh, supplied by Iran and, and other terrorist organizations into the country. I love what BB said. We played it in the last half hour when he told John Dickerson of CBS, you know damn well what you would do if rockets were fired into the U.S. Well, at least I'd, I, I, under Joe, I don't really know if I can give an honest answer. I don't know if he knows what day it is. You know, I'm not sure if it's past his, you know, warmy milk and, and sippy cup and night-night and, and, and prayers for everybody and, and out to snooze land. Anyway, this is, uh, this is some of the what, maddening comments by Democrats, the media mob. To read the statements from President Biden, Secretary Blinken, General Austin, and leaders of both parties, you'd hardly know Palestinians existed at all. Our party leaders have spoken forcefully against BDS, calling its proponents anti-Semitic, despite the same tactics being critically critical to ending the South African apartheid mere decades ago. And the United States must acknowledge its role in the injustice and human rights violations of Palestinians. This is not about both sides. This is about an imbalance of power. Many members of Congress have instead fallen back on a blanketed statement defending Israel's airstrikes against civilians under the guise of self-defense. Hamas has fired 1,600 rockets into Israel. Each rocket is a war crime, for each was fired solely for the purpose of killing as many civilians as possible. Leo and Ido and Nadine were all murdered by Hamas rockets bombarding Israel's cities. In the last few days, Hamas terrorists have launched over 1,500 rockets blowing up homes, schools, and buses. The violence is a cynical Hamas power grab, using policy disputes as an excuse for terrorism. And Hamas is uh, threatening the security of people in Israel. Israel has a right to defend itself. Uh, yeah, Nancy's probably worried, scared to death that she even had to say that little bit. It's amazing to watch the power of the squad. The Biden agenda is the the Bernie Biden manifesto, new Green Deal squad agenda. That's all they're doing. And let's get to our busy telephone. Scott in Arkansas. Hey, Scott, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Uh, Yes, I'm doing good. How about you, Sean? I'm good, sir. Uh, one of the things I needed to do is every time I hear someone named Scott call in, I cringe because they seem to be some kind of flaky liberal. <laughs> I want to make I, up for that. I, I haven't noticed the pattern, but if you say so. Oh, boy. Uh, the last one really, really did us bad for the name. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Hang on one second. This is important. Because some okay. people say they're registered Republicans, and then Republicans do something stupid. You didn't yes. do something stupid. They did something stupid. Well, last, last time I called you, actually, I, um, I was on hold and about to talk to you whenever Jim Comey got fired. And uh, <laughs> when that bomb fell, I knew that there was no chance to talk to you. I understand that because I of apologize. That. Actually, what I, what I called in about is um is not what I need to talk about because I would be blowing a whistle on something that um is apparently not as bad as I feared it was. But um we we were 
last week, you know, we're having the crisis with the with the pipeline over in the East Coast, and with all the with gas shortages and everything, I, I drive a truck for a living. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, but I drive to the west. It that that part of it hadn't hadn't affected us that much. Everyone, well, I heard I California gas prices are close, if not over, in some places, five bucks a gallon. Yes, we stay away from California as much as we can. I go, I go up to the northwest Pacific coast and back. I go, all my loads begin in Memphis and end at Memphis. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Now, yeah. I don't. Do you own your own truck, or you work for a trucking company? Which no, one? no, I work for a company. I'm company. Okay, driver. you work for a company. All right. Now, with diesel prices going through the roof, I assume you use diesel, right? Yes. Okay. A lot of diesel it. prices going through the roof. All everybody's now paying a ton more money than we were paying, and now we're we're no longer going to be energy independent. That's bad for national security. Just off the top. It's now taken away high-paying career jobs for many of our fellow Americans. These these are specialized skills for this industry. Now, last week, we have Granholm and Kerry talking about, yeah, yeah, the best way to transport fuel is through pipelines. Well, then why did Joe stop them? So now you're you're not going to get paid less per mile than you are getting paid, are you? No. And your company, they're not going to take less per mile uh, and in terms of factoring in the cost of fuel, they're gonna they're gonna raise prices on all of their customers, aren't they? Right, they'll, they'll, as they'll have to. Right. Um, our, our company, they, though, they, and, why should and, why should the trucking company or you the trucker? Why should you eat that? Because on top of the higher prices, you also are victimized by paying a, for your own vehicles and heating your own right. home and cooling your own home. And with inflation at a, a 12, 13-year record of 4.2%, everybody's paying more for everything. Now, with that said, I got to thank you. Because, you know, it, when you really think about it, anytime you go to Home Depot, lumber prices are through the roof, or Lowe's, lumber prices through the roof, uh, or go to your pharmacy, or go to your, your shopping mall, or go to your grocery store, everything pretty much in all of those places was delivered by a guy like you. And you're the lifeblood. I mean, we lose our truckers. If we would have lost truckers during COVID in the initial days, New York would be dead. Everybody would have been out of food, out of medicines, out of medical supplies, and it would have been it would have been death on a scale that was even worse than the screw ups that they had. So we all owe you a debt of gratitude. Although on rainy days, getting behind an eighteen wheeler is a little rough. Your windshield <laughs> gets flooded with water. In case you didn't know. Um, but I'm, th- I'm grateful that guys like you are there working hard every day and, and you have a lot of restrictions and government oversight into your industry, which I'm sure annoys the hell out of you. <laughs> well, it does. But, um, another thing about truckers though, and people don't understand, and I didn't understand before I got into it is, um, the truckers have to be the nice of the road. I mean, we have to watch everybody and, uh, after. The last last thing we'd want to do is have any kind of accident. How and many so, years yeah. have you been driving, and how many years with your current company? Um, I've been driving ten years, and I've been eight years with my just just finishing my about to start my ninth with the with the company I'm with. Well, I appreciate all you do, Scott. When you're on uh, on the radio with some of your trucker buddies, tell them Sean Hannity tips his hat and says thank you. Okay, uh, I, I sure will.
All right, my friend. God bless you. 800-941-SEAN. Chris is in Los Angeles, K-E-I-B. What's up, Chris? How are you? Hey, Sean. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate all you thank do. Thank you, sir. I'm um, glad you called. Um, just talking about the fuel prices and the cost of lumber. I'm a carpenter. I'm in, uh, I'm in Los Angeles. And it just seems to me that it, it's the establishment basically in, intentionally um, seizing means of production in a way that can extend the destruction of small businesses to not just brick-and-mortar small businesses and retail and stuff like that, but now even like smaller contractors and things like that that are just really struggling here already. Um, not that work is slow. A lot of people are doing renovations on their homes, and we do a lot of high-end stuff, so it really hasn't affected our business per se. Um, well, I've been, I'm in the, the middle of a guys. project, and I've got to buy lumber right now, and my contractor said, you're not going to believe this. And he told me how what do you, how much of lumber price has gone up, 150%? Yeah, I mean, I'm a cabinet maker, and, you know, plywood has doubled in, you know, the past six months or something. It's, it's, it's crazy. It really is, you know, costing a lot more to do, even small renovations. Not to mention people that are building new houses. I mean, the cost of that is just, you know, going through the roof now. Yeah, look, so, I, it, it's it's unbelievable. For example, just what would you pay normally for a two by four or a sheet of plywood? Sheet of plywood used to be thirty forty. Now it's sixty seventy. Um, two by fours are almost ten bucks each. It's crazy. What did it used to bucks. cost? Uh, a number of years ago, they were two, three. They were up to like five, maybe um, in the past couple of years. Um, but now they're up eight, nine bucks a piece. It's it's that's a lot when you're you know talking about an addition or just building a new house or anything like that. It's 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 really it's really devastating to the industry and just for people like homeowners, not necessarily the contractors that you know. Well, are doing I mean, the, the, the answer stuff. is you're going to pass the costs onto your consumer. My contractor exactly. buddy, you know, already said, I, I you know I gave you the estimate, but I'm going to have to charge you more for you know. For building materials, and and he's on, an honest guy, honest as the day he's born. And I said, I totally understand. I said, I'm paying very close attention. It sucks, but thankfully for him, and I it sounds like for you too, um, that you are not, um, you know, at running out of work in any way. It looks like you do high end work, and and people want will pay what it costs to get it done. Yeah, and we, you know, because the prices have been going up so quickly, we have had to adjust some of our estimates to, you know, just be like, hey, you know, the cost of everything is just going up so much. Like, we can't really do it at that price we gave you a few months ago. So Yeah, I, um, I had the same conversation. It lasted 10 seconds. I said, you don't even have to explain it. I understand. No worries. But um, yeah, I'm so just glad that they're out there. By the way, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to describe on this show the 10 years I spent in the restaurant business, the 10 years in contracting, the, 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 if you want to know two things that I think, and I guess this is open to debate, maybe Linda hasn't taken her happy CBD pills yet, might, might counter this, but I think the two things in my life that have kept me most grounded are the real work that I've done in my life, um, including the building trades, including restaurant, everything you could ever do in a restaurant, and my belief in God. Those are the two things in my life that I think kept me centered. And it was always, for all these people that don't want to go to work, you know what it's like that when you start a project and that project's finished and you stand back or maybe you take a picture and you put it in your yeah. portfolio of a job and what it looked like and what it looks like now, it, there's a sense of pride that you, you, uh, at least I used to feel. Do you feel that? 
Absolutely. I also worked in the restaurant business. I bartended in New York. I mean, I'm from New York. I just moved here about six or seven years ago. Um, but especially with so you basically go from bad finish, to worse. You go from New York to the Southland in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know, but the weather's great down here. Come on. Well, you got In-N-Out Burger. Okay, well, enjoy your 13.5% state income tax and your 50 cents a gallon gas tax uh, out there. And 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 Gavin is going to b- try and buy his way out of the recall now, giving two thirds of Californians checks. Great job, Gavin. It's crazy. It's just crazy what he's doing now, trying to save himself. But well, I, New York's know, about to surpass to you in terms of the highest tax or the highest state income taxes in the country. So you're going to be number two soon. So you watch out for New York, okay? Yeah, I have all my families out there. My wife's family's out there, so we 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 know what's going on out there pretty pretty good. I mean, we're actually kind of happy that we dodged the pandemic in New York City because that just sounds terrible. I mean, it was bad here. Well, the wet. Listen, I lived in California five years. I was the poorest person that lived in Santa Barbara at the time. Well, not really, because there are a lot of homeless people then, and now it's fifty times worse, sadly, for the people that are homeless. And um, uh, it's just the the weather's phenomenal. The but but they've ruined the state, and now people are leaving in droves. You lost a congressional seat. You lost a million three in the last census, and uh, it doesn't surprise me. And the United Socialist Utopia of California has turned into a Schiff hole with, with great honor and respect for the Adam Schiff congenital liar. But, Chris, we appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you so much, Henry. I really All right, man. Good luck with work, okay? Thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Oh, CNN. Yes. Had a contributing writer for their their fake news. And it looks like CNN, yeah, pretty anti-Semitic and pro-Adolf Hitler. Why didn't they fire him sooner? We'll ask Joe Concha next. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. So uh, fake news CNN, they're in a whole host of trouble. Um, A now uh, former freelance contributor to CNN.com apparently has his byline on 54 separate articles. Be nice if they did a little investigative work for once over there at fake news CNN. Um, And I guess after the fact, they can condemn abhorrent pro-Hitler tweets from the freelance contributor. He'll never work here again. Oh, okay. I'm sure Humpty Dumpty and uh, Mr. Potato Head are going to be, you know, quick to be outwardly critical of this. But um, you have a CNN photo editor celebrating the deaths of, quote, Jewish pigs in an anti-Semitic tweet. More than four Jewish pigs killed in Jerusalem today by the Palestinian bombs exploding. Then is this CNN? I guess apparently it is. Anyway, their anti-Israeli bias has been well chronicled also. Um, I can only imagine the media, you know, outraged to say, see, we told you Fox News likes Hitler because this guy's praising Hitler. The world needs a Hitler. Heil Hitler. The only reason I'm supporting Germany in the finals is Hitler was a German and he did good with those Jews. Can't even believe I'm reading this. Uh, One guy that actually is a real media reporter. His name is Joe Concha. The only one that actually does fair reporting and comprehensive reporting. He needs his own show on Fox. I've been pushing hard for it. No one listens to me, unfortunately, but hopefully they will soon. Um, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill, 
Uh, let's get your take on uh, this latest CNN fiasco and CNN sale. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for the kind words around the show. I'm hoping, actually, this this is just between you and me, hopefully no one's listening, that the Jersey Shore, if they do a reboot, I could do that cast. I still think I'm young enough to pull that off. What, what do you think? Me at the Jersey Shore? <laughs> I don't think so, no. No? All right. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. Uh, look, the, the CNN statement around this freelancer being fired is so weak, so limp, cool some news-gathering efforts from Islamabad, that's Pakistan. However, in light of these abhorrent statements, abhorrent, excuse me, statements, he will not be working with CNN again in any capacity. Now, here's the problem with this, Sean. He's been tweeting this sort of stuff for seven years. Seven! Who's doing the background checks at CNN? I don't know, but that person should be fired along with this guy for saying that we need a new Hitler and hell Hitler. I mean, it's all out there. People have been talking about this for years, but only now is CNN getting around to it. But again, this is the cartoon news network at this point that nobody's really watching. They've lost nearly 70% of their audience when you compare it to the beginning of the year. Seven in 10 people gone. Where did they go? Not watching there, that's for sure. You know, I, but look, there, there is, after elections, there there's a normal fall off in, in ratings. I've been doing this now 33 years and, and a natural attrition. And I guess, you know, because they slanted so positively in Joe Biden's direction and hating Donald Trump. There was a, a, a period of giddiness among them and no desire to actually interview even real whistleblowers or look at the Constitution in Pennsylvania or the dual standards for voting uh, in Georgia or the laws in Michigan and the laws in, in Wisconsin and whether or not you know, states that had partisan observers being able to observe. They didn't want to even examine any of the questions. I think if we want voter integrity and confidence in elections, I think we need simple things like voter ID, signature verification. I think you got to clean up the voter rolls every every election. Just common sense to me. Simple things you'd think Democrats and Republicans can all agree on, but apparently not. Um, I think you need things like if partisan observers and the law requires they can observe the vote count, I think they should be able to observe. That didn't happen in 2020. Chain of custody issues have come up in many states where you know, does anybody know where the ballots are and who has access to them? And is there any potential of tampering with ballots? Things that, you know what, we didn't pay any attention to. So, but those questions weren't raised. They only seem to care about hearsay, non-whistleblowers that are out there bashing Trump. And that's the problem I think all the media mob is facing today. Uh, Your thoughts? Well, well, two points. Uh, One, you're right. In non-election years, the year after a presidential election, you usually see a drop in ratings across the board. You don't see 70%, right? You'll see 20, 25%. 70 is a number that we... Uh, but there was one time that ratings did go up after an election, and that was 2017, and that's when Donald Trump came into office. And They, they the didn't drop for five years. No. Right, exactly. Uh, and at CNN, they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table with Trump. So now that he's gone, they don't have their boogeyman. And then they try to create these other boogeymen, like, for instance, with Liz Cheney just last week, right? Here you have the third most powerful woman in the minority party in Congress, right? Not getting kicked out of Congress, just losing a leadership position. Now, was it a story? Of course it's a story, but it absolutely should not have taken, for instance, Israel, Gaza, and all that bloodshed that's going on over there uh 
off as the number one story or the gas lines down in North Carolina and Georgia and South Carolina as the number two story. And you can even flip those around. But still, Liz Cheney didn't get any attention by the primetime anchors. They still call themselves anchors, which is remarkable when you consider that they're absolutely opinionists. It's about hearsay. It's about dividing the country. And it's about sizzle and not about steak, Sean. What do you make of this uh, Zaslav lauding Jeff Zucker and the new positioning of CNN, your thoughts? It's interesting, right? So uh, Jason Kalar is out, and uh, he was head of Warner Media, so he was above Zucker in essence. And they apparently didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. So now that Kalar is gone, now Zucker is now saying that, oh, he may stay longer. Remember, he had said in the beginning of the year that he was probably going to leave at the end of the year and then maybe go take up like a sports position or something, ESPN. Now you hear all these stories about maybe he'll run for mayor. But now it appears that he has more power there, so you're going to get more Jeff Zucker at CNN and then more of the kind of program programming that we saw that began with, remember, the Malaysian airliner that went missing, and they covered it literally for three months, almost all hour, every day. Uh, and that's kind of the way they go in with things now, all in on one particular topic that they think is going to rate well, but it seems the formula just isn't working anymore based on the numbers I just shared. What it would, and it was interesting to watch Drudge today. Supposedly their headline is Zucker will stay. We'll see. Um, even the New York Times, I don't know if you saw their piece this weekend, because it kind of shocked me, and a friend of mine sent it to me, and all of the, uh, and Glenn Greenwald had tweeted it out, and it basically covered the story of the dirty dossier, and how the media took the lie, and ran with the lie, never corrected the, red, re, uh, the record, never retracted the phony reporting, never apologized to their viewers or their readers, and this was pretty much all of media, three networks, two cable channels, multiple, you know, hundreds of websites and and so on and so forth. And to me, that is the biggest, most epic fail ever. And that is that they ran with a phony Russian, of all things, disinformation dossier used to then lie to a FISA court to spy on a presidential candidate and later a president. And nobody's been held accountable, Joe Concha. Now, if I had gotten something that wrong on that colossal a colossal mistake like that, I don't think I'd survive. No, no, of course not. The pitchfork And by the way, I was, ended up being right. Side note, but go ahead. Right, of course. Well, that's called spiking the football, and you deserve to in this situation because, yeah, you've been, you've been saying that all along as far as this, this dossier that, remember, when Donald Trump's first year in office, that's all any of the media was talking about was either Russia collusion or the dossier or the firing of James. Trump uh, looks pretty good, doesn't he? Uh, but it, what bothers me, Sean, is now we're seeing this reporting from the New York Times in May of 2021, and not when it mattered, say, in May of 2020 or 19, when there was a presidential election going on. But, and but we wait saw a minute, but they Biden. were as wrong as everybody else. That's the irony here. Oh, yeah, yet, no, they, I agree, but... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what I was going to say was, I agree with that completely. Yeah, it's they got it wrong as well, completely. Look at the New York Times and the number of stories that they ran on this, all based on unnamed sources, which, of course, we know now are probably just political plants sending out nefarious information. They knew that the media would gobble up like seagulls at the beach. You could throw any food up to a seagull. They'll gobble it up without verifying it. Same thing with the media. But we saw this with Hunter Biden. Same thing in October. Oh, that's Russian disinformation. What's, what's on that laptop? And, and don't believe it. And the New York Post should have their Twitter 
Watertown shutdown or the Russian Downey story. Remember, and, and Donald Trump got a lot of heat for that right before the election as well, because the consequences have already been leveled. You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, to me, it's the biggest epic fail in media ever. Nobody's ever going to take responsibility for it because for them, the ends justified the means. Look, I'm not patting ourselves on the back, but I am very proud of the team we put together. I mean, we the, the stuff we were reporting, we had to get it right. And everybody that we work with and our full ensemble cast, and at times you were a part of it, so you know, uh, before we'd go to the story, we had to have it, you know, double checked, du- dual sources, and everything that we reported ended up being right, and everything they reported ended up being wrong, and, you know, and, and what? You get fake stories and you get Pulitzer Prizes. At the New York Times for fake news. It, you can't make that part up either. No, you can't. And, and the thing is that people are on to this now, Sean, as far as the, the American public is concerned. I, I saw this great poll from Axios, and they asked this question. It's pretty direct. How often do you think news sources report news they know to be fake, false, or purposely misleading? And 8 in 10 independents said that news organizations engage in that. So when we hear about, oh, we made a mistake, we got burned by a source, No, they had a narrative in mind that they wanted to push. So the minute they got one source, just one, to verify whatever they're trying to report, and then multiple news organizations verify the reporting, say, of the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN, say, we can verify the New York Times report based on one source. And it's not like they made a mistake because of human error. They made a mistake because they purposely were trying to mislead people because it's no longer about bias. It's about activism and helping Democrats and destroying conservatives. And we saw it time and time and time again during the Trump administration. Now, suddenly, all those unnamed sources, they've gone away with Biden, haven't they? We haven't seen any negative stories about him that turned out to be wrong because, well, no. Well, well, actually, we did. I don't know if you saw the the piece that came out, how quick-tempered Joe is that he doesn't start his day until 930. He can even at times be abusive to people around him, lashing out, which kind of fits into a personality of somebody that might be a little cranky and sleepy and maybe struggling cognitively. That actually often goes along with it, according to the medical professionals I've spoken to. And I've spoken to Medi, and it's pretty unanimous about Joe's condition. But nobody talks about that, I think, pretty much except me. And Joe Biden and his sippy cup and night night and his bedtime story. Well, you just look at his presidential schedule, right? I mean, it's very easy to say one thing like, all right, I think Biden. Less than one event a day. Add it up. Less than one. Yeah. No, I'm looking at here. Uh, Let's see. He's uh, the president arrived at the White House at 9.15 a.m. because he went to Delaware, it looks like, for the weekend. Then they receive a daily brief. And at 12 o'clock, Jen Psaki holds a press conference. At 1 o'clock, the president delivers marks on COVID-19. And then the day ends. So his day is over already. That's nice. When you're president of the United States, you're working not even banker's hours. You're working basically what my kid did when he was going to school half, for half a day, from 9 o'clock to 1 o'clock, and then you're done. And that's the, how the president of the United States is Joe working. Concha, is it fair to believe that I don't think he's up for that? I think that's pretty much what he's capable of for now. Never base somebody on their words. Base them on their actions. And with Joe Biden, his words and his actions on basically everything are very, very different. Okay. So it's, Do you it's a, it's see, a argument based on the if past. you compare Joe Biden when he left in, in 2017 and you compare him to Joe Biden today, do you see significant decline cognitively? Do you see that he looks weak and he looks frail and confused? Night and day. Night and day. I went Night and day. In 2012. Then how know, come like I'm the only debate? one of the only ones that will say it? Because most people that are reporting on him probably voted for him or 
you know, privately support him. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious they're protecting him for as much as they can. And then the vice president's no better either, by the way. She isn't working all that hard either, because if I were put in charge of a border crisis that's now a catastrophe, I'm pretty sure I'd visit the border or Guatemala or Honduras or Mexico. But she hasn't done any of that. And she was appointed to this job 52 days ago. So we're talking more than seven weeks. She hasn't held one press conference, made one trip. She is failing spectacularly. So when people say, well, Kamala is going to be the 2024 candidate, well, good luck with that because this is what she's going to be based on. This is the grade, and it's an F right now, Sean, as far as her ability to handle it. Well, there was an article out today. Where did I see this article? I forget. I think it was Red State. Not looking good for Democrats. And Americans deliver a brutally honest rejection of Kamala Harris, which is true, too. But I'll tell you why the media, why do you think the media doesn't hit me when I say and I give my observations on Joe? Because whenever they do a negative story, Sean Hannity is being unfair and he says the president looks weak. All I do is say, okay, let me play all the tapes and I put them back to back and I say, you decide. And what I've concluded is they don't want me playing those tapes regularly. And compare that to the one time that Donald Trump had to walk down a rant at West Point it was wet. He's in, you know, when you wear dress shoes, those things can be very slippery on any surface. And he walked gingerly down it. And then you saw hours and hours of coverage discussing Donald Trump's cognitive state. So it's OK yeah. when it happens one little time with Donald Trump and nothing happened. But with Joe Biden, that's off limits. You're not allowed to talk about that, Sean. All right. Joe Concha, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, quick break right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. All right, as promised, let's get to our busy telephones. Russ is in the great state of Texas, paying a lot less in taxes than I am, because Russ is smarter than me. Russ, we're glad you called, sir, and uh, hello to our friends in Texas. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for taking my call, and I just want to thank you for being a clear voice of reason on radio and uh, keeping all of us in check here. Uh, I just want to basically uh, continue what you said to, uh, with Joe Concha about how it's funny that accountability is all of a sudden not as important now that the left is in office and in power, but um, they did everything they could to hold us accountable whenever Trump was in president, and uh, it's a little scary. But one thing I wanted to mention real quick is, you know, it's, it's just it's the fact that Biden being president has really displayed a very weak president because at the end of his press release, he's always saying, I can't say that or I'll get in trouble. It scares me as a uh, U.S. citizen. Isn't that the oddest thing? Oh, no, no, no. They get mad. They get mad at me if I if I take a question because they know I'm I'm not capable of answering it. I mean, he's the president of the United States of America for crying out loud. You know, man, I'm like, compare that to the force of nature that was Donald Trump. All right. Maybe some people were offended, deeply offended at his tweeting and at, you know, his, some of the controversial things he said. The guy never stopped. He was like, the, the, you know, the Energizer bunny out there never stopped <laughs> day and night. And you look Hardly at this guy, he can, you know, let's go to let's show up at work at nine thirty, one item on the agenda. <laughs> and, you know, it's upstairs for hot cocoa in a sippy cup, uh, a bedtime story for my nap. And then seven seven thirty, it's okay. Nap nap night night time, and it gets maybe if he's good, he gets a story and warm milk and a sippy cup, and he's off to Happy Land. I mean, it's frightening yeah. to me. You see, the problem here is Russ, is that people can say Hannity, yeah, he's he's just a conservative. He doesn't like Joe Biden. It's not personal. I don't like a weak America, and That's he right. projects nothing but weakness. 
And, you know, he's trying to appease every every extreme radical country out there. And right now, Vladimir Putin sees it. President Xi sees it. Kim Jong-un sees it. And the Iranian mullahs see it. And they 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 can't believe their own eyes. They're not going to be impressed that the media put him in the presidential protection program like he was in the candidate protection program. They are making assessments daily about Joe Biden, and they've not concluded that he's particularly strong. I can promise you that. Absolutely. You know, and one thing that was great about Trump is the fact that the buck stopped with him and he he took full responsibility and uh, uh, accountability. But you don't even know who is calling the shots in the White House now. Uh, That would be a good point. I honestly have no I don't know. I've had anecdotal. I'm getting pieces of the puzzle. Um, Let's just say I have my sources. Yeah, I have my and by and and even when I make the comment about Joe weak, frail, struggling cognitively, I'm not just saying all of that based on my own observations. Uh, It might surprise some people, but I actually, you know, I'm a member of the press and I have my own contacts. I know people around Joe Biden. I know people that have seen Joe Biden. I know people that are around Joe Biden more than they wish that I knew. And wouldn't they like to know my sources? I'd go to the grave before I ever give them up. It Uh, definitely has... definitely has confirmed this being Obama 2.0 for sure. Uh, Yeah, I'd say a lot worse on HGH and and, um, testosterone. Thank you, Russ. My best to all my friends in Texas. Appreciate you being there. Greg is in Virginia. Greg, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called, sir. Sean, I really appreciate you taking my call, and uh, I'll try to get right to my point. Yes, sir. uh, Thank you. With all of this uh, heroic talk of Biden and uh, the CDC and Mr. Fauci, I just couldn't hold my tongue any further. Um, I just wanted to say that I just really, from personal experience, feel that the CDC let a lot of people down and left them hanging out to dry during the uh, really big COVID uh, pandemic, you know, especially at the first of the year. And like I said, I speak from personal experience because. Um, I was diagnosed with the COVID back at the early part of the year. Um, I, it was probably the sickest I've ever been. And uh, I just, I was one of those theorists that just thought, hey, this thing was floating around, really didn't exist. But, you know, everybody's talking about it. But yet I come down well, with it. Let me tell you, it's real. And it I know it's real because real. I can't tell you how many people, I, 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 I can't, I'm not going to explain everything that I do, but right. people that were struggling, I, I have one very close person in my life whose mother 70 years old comorbidities you know way overweight i'm not trying to be rude but just you know that right. they found almost 75 percent there tended to be people overweight we all got to try and keep our weight down it's hard trust me it's hard for me and it's uh and this person ended up on a ventilator for over 30 days and, and I, I, I honestly have every single doctor I know helping, you know, to to collaborate to save this woman's life. They got her off. She's now alive and well and awake and in rehab and probably going home in a week. And I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that this woman's OK. And I can't tell you how many other people I've helped. You know what the most frustrating thing is, is that the average state. And I bet I'm betting 
Like, for example, your oxygen has to almost be below 90 before you can even get admitted to a hospital in New York. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that, but I'm, it's, it's about close to that here. Okay. Now, did you, and how many weeks was it really bad for you? Let me tell you, after 10 days, I was exactly, and my temperature was down a degree, but I was, I felt exactly the same as I did on day one. And let me tell you, I had called every probably three to four days begging the uh, place where I was diagnosed at to please give me something. I, I mean, if it was sugar water, give me something to give me some kind of hope. You know, and finally on day 10, I finally called and said, hey, let me tell you the story, though. The, By the, the way, nobody re- nobody recommended Regeneron to you? Nobody? No. No. Listen to this. This is even better. This is what I was told each day that I called, and I felt like I got on somebody's nerve, but anyway, I did it anyway. But I was told every day, take Tylenol every Tylenol. two to four hours and let it run its course. But it got better. By day six or eight, I was told this. Take Tylenol every two to four hours and let it run. Day six, seven, and eight is when it goes to your lungs. That's probably the most dangerous time. Generally speaking, um, that that, that has usually been the pattern that I've seen play out. And this is what the CDC recommended. And that also... take two Tylenol. That's not going to help you. It'll help you with your temperature. That's it. Yeah, this is what the best part was. Go ahead and drink some NyQuil. You can, it'll knock you out. You can't be sick while you're sleeping. So I was just, uh, I was blown away. I took a lot of heat and I'm not a doctor. I mean, everyone's pushing me. Hannah, do you need to tell everybody to get vaccinated? I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on radio and TV. I'm, I am asking my audience to take it seriously as hell to, to read and to research on your own, which everybody's capable of doing. There's a wealth of material all over the internet. Read it. It's important. This is not a game. It's your it's your life. It's your it's a you know you have older people you love. You got to protect grandma, grandpa, Absolutely. mom, and dad, right? Okay. So Absolutely. and then I would tell everybody the next thing you need to do is you need to talk to your doctor who knows your medical condition. I don't know anybody's medical condition. I'm not in a position to comment on their medical treatment, whatever it is. But talk to your doctor, your doctors, the medical professionals you you trust. And learn about the difference in the in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine versus the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Uh, but there's other things out there like Regeneron, totally underutilized, and and others. You know, we've had doctors, and again, pay attention, do your own research. You decide. Talk about ivermectin, and talk about HCQ, and talk about you know a uh, uh, a Z pack, and uh, I, it, there's all sorts of. So, uh, of things that people were taking and regiments that they that were working for doctors in the field that we interviewed regularly. Now I'm not telling. I'm just want you to hear, and then you ultimately have to talk to your doctors and decide. I mean, could you imagine if I told people now of all three of the vaccines that I like the best, I like the J and J shot. Why? Because it's the old-fashioned method of creating a vaccine. The mRNA vaccines, as they call them, Pfizer, Moderna, you know, it's newer technology. Um, and even though it has a higher efficacy, ha- has higher efficacy numbers, there are certain factors that contributed to that, like when the studies, the clinical studies were taking place. But again, I can't tell anybody. What if I had told a woman 18 to 48 that was one of the 10 women that got blood clots? Uh, what, I'm going to get sued for practicing medicine without a license next.
Well, I asked for the hydrochloroquine shot, and this is what I was told on that. It's not no, a shot. It's a pill. Okay. So I was told that I would not be able to get that unless I was on death's doorstep. And a little late because the hospital. studies, go read the the Henry uh, Ford uh, study or, or the Sinai study or the studies abroad. There's now eight or ten of them that all said if taken early. Early means the minute you're diagnosed. That's what early right. means. That's how you define early. The same with ivermectin. But again, I'm not telling anybody to do this. I'm saying right. to research it. I can't believe how many people call me. Oh, I just tested positive, and I'd mention Regeneron. They're like, what's, what's that? I'm like, oh, boy. Never heard of it. <laughs> Had you? I mean, I can't believe we, we're not doing proactive medicine in this. And this is where Dr. Nope. Oz was right. When medicine and politics intersect, politics always wins. And they shut down debate. You know, you, you fight with the army you have, not the one you wish you had, he also said. And in the beginning, we had nothing. And then you got Daniel Wallace, the foremost expert on HCQ, saying the risk is nil. Okay, the question I then ask is, what have you got to lose when this guy's had got 250 peer-reviewed articles? The foremost expert has been administering a 65 or 67-year-old drug HCQ for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and antimalarials. Okay, maybe it didn't work, but if it's the, if the risk is nil, meaning nil, his words, not mine, then the risk is nil. And then there were two studies that were published by medical journals that had to be rescinded in the course of this. That you know, you know what that means? The damage that yeah. they did? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Regeneron, well, I- somebody a friend of mine that got it, literally said it's like liquid gold. That within 24 hours, I'll tell you one person who it is, is and Dr. Carson's been public about it, him. And I have a, another friend, an older woman that I know, that I've known for years, and without Regeneron, she probably wouldn't have made it. And I'm not going to lie. I have my own medical kit, all legal. I got it from real doctors, you know, prepared for myself. And I know what my re- regimen would be, but I'm going to keep that confidential. I wouldn't wait. Wow. How, and how the long only, did it take you to recover? Last last word. Uh, well, it took it took an extra extra two weeks. But I, I had to, the only way I was able to get anything was to actually I don't even know if you want to call it a trick or whatever. But I had to bring up the fact that I had a vial of testosterone in one of my safes, and I said, "Hey, if I can't get anything to boost my immune system from you, then this is the route I would take." And then all of a sudden, I get somebody saying, "Hey, we would rather you not do that. Let me get someone to give you a call back." So finally, uh, day 12, I guess it was, I was able to get a prednisone pack. And, you know, that's all I ever begged for. I was actually crying. I mean, it, I felt like crap, and I just felt like I, it was headed to worse, worse times. And, you know, I just thought, well, maybe I'm about to go check myself into a hospital to be able to get some kind yeah, of By the way, not, not, but it's not prednisone, dexamethasone, I think is how you pronounce it. It tended to be, according to the doctors we interviewed, the steroid of choice, but it definitely had an impact. But if you have comorbidities, pre-existing conditions, compromised immune systems, all of the things that we knew, you know, but, and by the way, you know, the vaccine, you know, there's now about 9,500 fully vaccinated people that have still contracted COVID. And the right. argument that they would make is, well, well, the efficacy is not 100%. That's true. That's a fair statement. And, but the risk of hospitalization and death they're, they claim, if you read the materials, um, 
goes down significantly. And of the 9,500, about 132 people died. So anyway, listen, I'm glad you're okay. But yeah, please, everybody, take it, take it seriously. I right, please. And, and protect older people still. Although they've now, the responsibility's on them. They've got to make their own decision. And it's out there available if they want it. That's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, set your DVR, 9 Eastern on Fox. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Investigative reporting on the border, on the attacks against police in this country, on the coronavirus, whatever policy of the second it might be. Joe Biden failing across the board. You name it, we've got it. Donald Trump Jr., uh, Ari Fleischer, Steve Scalise, Kaylee McEnany, uh, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, much, much more. 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity Fox. See you then. As always, thank you for being with us back here tomorrow.